0: Amen. Thank you, Rob. So good to be here among friends. Can can I preach from the table? Do I need to move it up? Okay, she said yes. All right, all right. I I, I saw them doing the the Lord's Supper and just did a magnificent job in sharing. And so I didn't know whether to bring my Bible because at a black church, the podium is like three times bigger. And so I didn't know if y'all were sending me a message not to be too long this morning. (laughs) So um, I I got the hint, okay? I got the hint. Praise the Lord. Um, Thank Brother Jared for um, this great invitation. Now, I thought he was going to be on sabbatical getting some rest, but he's in the back working, going upstairs, downstairs, and all that other stuff. So he never takes a day off, and so he told me he's going to Seattle and I said, I hope he takes some time off in Seattle, praise the Lord. And there's another young man who came up and shook my hand. His name was Christopher. He saw me and he, he, the boldness he had. He just walked up and he's, he nodded and he, and he extended his hand to fellowship. And, and I want to meet him again after service. So if that's your, your little fellow, your son, tell Christopher I want to meet him. I want to get to know him a little bit better. Uh, we are grateful for this great invitation. I brought back up with me. I brought one of my favorite students. He's a young disciple. Uh, don't hold it against him. He's from Houston. But uh, he's a great young man. Anthony, stand up. Wave at the people. Praise the Lord. I told him I was working on some stuff in the office, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just touching up on the sermon. He said, "Where are you preaching? I said, I'm, I'm preaching at Southern Hills. It's on Buffalo Gap on Sunday. He said, can I go? I said, you sure can. So uh, he, he, he's my go-to guy. If I need something, he takes take care of me. He's faster. He's, he weighs lighter. Um, and, and I can use him. I can use him. And also, we got two rock stars in the building, um, uh, my good friend and, and my big sister, uh, Dr. Stephen Moore and Miss Tina Fleet over there. If y'all don't know them, get to know them. I hope they take taking me out to eat afterwards. <clears throat> That's another hint. So praise the Lord. It's good to be in your fellowship. I, I, I want to point your attention to one of my favorite books of the Bible, Jonah chapter one. Uh, if you have a smartphone, I would say turn your Bibles, but I, 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 fig- I have to remind myself it's 2021. Uh, so if you have your smart devices and your Bible app, or you just want to Google it, that's just fine. Uh, if you are a baby boomer and you old school, you just Bible, paper, and pencil, you can do that. That is also fine. Jonah chapter 1, verse 11. And the Bible says, Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temperous. He said unto them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Verse 13, nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to the dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more temperance against them. Therefore, they called unto the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it please you. So they picked Jonah up and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. This morning, if I can, I want to speak on the subject, Awal, absent, without leave. In 1993, one of my mother's favorite actors by the name of Harrison Ford, if y'all know him. She's a Star Wars fan. An American action thriller based on a 1960 television series, The Fugitive, of the same name created by Roy Huggins. It was directed by Andrew Davis, starring Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. After being wrongfully convicted of the murder of his wife, He escapes from custody to set out to prove his innocence while in pursuit of law enforcement. But just like Harrison Ford, many of us find ourselves exhausted from constantly being on the run. A fugitive, ladies and gentlemen, are known as someone who is running away or escaping something. If we can truly be honest this morning, many of us here today are in this holy place called sanctuary because we cannot find any other place of refuge, place of refuge from the antagonistic realities. We have escaped temporarily out of a hostile environment to find peace with God. Many of us are suffering from marriages that cannot find reconciliation. Many of us are running from the held hounds of our past decisions. Many of us are running from certain internal intentions within our subconscious thoughts or actions of our daily habits. And for some reason, we're starting to find ourselves in the kingdom of God overworked and tired. Many saints are starting to find themselves in the intensive care unit of ministry because they have failed to find balance within their vocation and their occupation. Many saints are now starting to feel the confusion of real ministry with busy work. So as an outcome, you receive nothing in return. You are upset because you followed your own interpretation in what you thought God wanted you to do. So instead of you consulting with God in prayer and fasting, you have gone eight wall, absent without leave. You are now a fugitive from God and your kingdom responsibilities. And for some reason, many of us don't understand that when the child of God becomes fatigued, that oftentimes to unlock our spiritual defenses and make our immune systems weak. So now we find ourselves on the run, desperate for nourishment, now trying to escape From the clear and present dangers, we are standing in the midst of spiritual warfare from spiritual enemies, whose nature it is to assassinate my character altogether. Where could I go but unto the Lord? In an article by Sam Asphore, he defines escapism is not procrastination or laziness. It is a psychological concept which has a habitual distraction to an imaginary world or entertainment escape from our reality. Although escapism has always existed, the vast array of technology at our fingertips allows us to escape with ease by a click of a finger. Escapism allows us to travel to more preferable worlds with no responsibility. And technology provides immediate access to such a world. Simply playing video games let us disassociate ourselves from our imperfect selves by pretending to be someone we're not. My grandmother, when I was a little boy, we would get sick and uh, we would have to spend the day with grandmother. And, And one of the things that my grandmother did was that she sold she quilted and she watched as the world turned. <laughs> the days of our lives, and all, you know what I'm talking about. Millennials, just hang on, I'll be right back with you in just a second here. <laughs> And I remember as a sick boy wrapped up, fevered in blanket. My grandmother would just be soaring, and she'd be shouting and yelling at the television and talk about how scandalous this man's wife was, or she trying to break up a home, and all of that, and I recognize we use it for an escape. In 2013, the University of Georgia psychologist Graham Colliver wrote in Psychology Today about the connection between escapism and technology. I would suggest that the real form of escapism now and day is the compulsive need to be impulsively engaged in living an electronic life of fact-finding, problem-solving, video game. And personal chit-chat, Colliver said, while these behaviors may be benign, Colin warns that escaping can mean a person is avoiding time for self-reflection. The more we escape, the less we have to self-reflect. We self-reflect about our choices in life that can lead to a poor future decision. Collega also argues that being in the world where technology is everywhere, we feel the need to escape to comfort our own, to our own phones and tablets. Some call it weapons of mass distraction. Escaping is also becoming more tempting when, when most of our schoolwork is digital and laptops are required for classes. And I'm not saying I'm anti-technology. Don't come out of here saying to believe in that. <laughs> Thank God we got Google Maps and all that other stuff. Where would I be? In other words, which means students must have self-control not to distract themselves. As a matter of fact, you're probably escaping as we read, as I'm reading off my sermon and preaching to you now. But that's all right. No judgment there. But I found a case study of escapism in the passage here. In the book of Jonah, you find a confusion that of Jonah's experiences. How can God give me an assignment like this one? This assignment infringes upon my life and understanding who I am and all the things I was told to be but God gives me an assignment that now I have to turn backwards and I have to turn around and I have to move some things and what if it's an assignment that I don't want? It infringes upon my life and it throws me off the course. God called Jonah one day and told him to go preach to Nineveh because they needed it. Wickedness was in the land. Idolatry was in the land. Adultery was in the land. And Jonah hated this idea because Nineveh was one of Israel's greatest enemy. What happens when God calls you to be the medicine to a sick world and the world that oppresses you? It's only wanted nothing to do with this thing here. And the question I come to ask This morning, Southern Hills, what is your Nineveh? You can never reach the apex of greatness in God unless you go through Nineveh. I believe in the Bible we read about how Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he had to die twice that day. He had to die to himself and then he had to die to physical death. What is your Nineveh? That's the question. Is your Nineveh your family? Will cantankerous family members consistently cause division and strife? What is your Nineveh? Is your Nineveh a wayward child that refuses to, to make the right decisions and get rights and you're constantly throwing money, time, and energy, which is depleting you in, impersonally? What is your Nineveh? I'm asking you, what is your Nineveh? is your Nineveh, that marriage that Satan has put a gridlock on. Is it seems to be getting no better. Everybody has a Nineveh, but however, we must understand that Tarshish is not where God called us. Years ago, um, I was in a, a um, conference and um, met a gentleman by the name of Rick Ashley. Some of you may know him. And I was sitting in the back, and he said something that that really just put a pause into me. He said the church is the perfect place to hide and he was talking about those who have hit exhaustion spiritually we understand that because you're busy that don't mean that I'm spiritual i can be active but that doesn't mean that I'm holy jonah's call and the word of the lord Came, and I think for us to understand and appreciate this text greater is that we got to ask the question, how is the word of the Lord coming to me? What is God calling me to? What is the assignment in my life? That God has put upon my heart and I am restless and I'm sleepless until I execute the plan that God has given me. Jonah had a call from God, meaning that he had an assignment. Jonah didn't want the assignment because he had an issue with them folk over there in Ninevites. I don't know if he was prejudiced or bigoted or whatnot, but he had some internal undoing with these folk over there in Nineveh. And, 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 and I can relate this to the 21st century because it's hard to serve folk that give you a hard time. It's hard to love the unlovable and to forgive the unforgivable. And that's the test of our true spiritual barometer. How can I love somebody when I know that they don't have my best interests at hand? How can I forgive somebody who has assaulted the the, the depth of my soul and, and everything that I stand for? But Jesus said, forgive those. Like Jonah, many of us are in a place of frustration because we refuse to answer the call of God, and it's hard to function. The assignment of God is never about how you feel, but it's about what God is trying to reveal. What is God revealing to me? And sometimes you are just a conduit in which God is working through. And sometimes the blessing won't start, start with you, but it's for somebody else. And sometimes you don't benefit because he's using you to reveal himself. Many of us don't want the assignment because it pushes me out of my comfort zone. And what God was doing was that he was calling Jonah out of obscurity. We love obscurity, don't we? Oh, I just come and I just sit in the back, Dr. Dodd. I don't want to be bothered with. I'm just fine. Y'all go right ahead. I don't want to be bothered with. I'm going through a lot. We love obscurity. We sneak in late and we leave early. Well, I just love obscurity. because the light has never shined upon me. Working with young people, especially college age, one of the things I've come to recognize is that one of the Achilles' heel for young adults is the fact that a lot of times they don't, how can I say this, they don't live up to the expectation that is greater, that they know they can, because it's not Because of fear, and I ask them, What are you afraid of? And they say, Well, I'm scared to fail. I'm scared to fail. And I challenge that. I don't think you're scared to fail because failure is comfortable, isn't it? It's easy to quit something when it gets hard. No, nah, I'm slimming down a little bit, but I got a, I got a, I got a trainer, and I'm working out, and, and you know, he's one of the little, little fellas with the tight bodies, and, you know, they jump on stuff and jump back off. And, you know, I, I turned 40 in September uh, this past year, and, and, and one of the things I recognize when you turn 40, your body tells you what it can and cannot do. <laughs> Matter of fact, you can walk and just pull something. And it just, you just you, You're trying to figure out, how did I get to this point? And he was like, Mr. Bowman, I want you to jump up here, and I want you to jump down, and what this does is builds your endurance. I said, look, I want to get healthier. I don't want to commit suicide while I'm trying to get there. (laughs) I I, want to live through it. And, and, And the whole time, he's talking me into it. And he was like, you still got some good energy left. Your bodies can still do it. And one of the things I recognize that sometimes the greatest challenge, especially working with young people, is to get them to understand that you're not afraid of failure. You're afraid of your own potential, and your own potential can scare you sometimes. Because it, it, it it was Churchill that said, the outcome of greatness is responsibility. What happens when I reveal how great God is with inside of me and people have to hold me accountable to it? It's hard because every day I got to be on. And I got to extend beyond greater and greater and greater, and it's hard sometimes. And that's what I'm seeing with Jonah. Jonah didn't want it because God called him out of obscurity, and it pushes me out of my comfort zone. We must understand that the assignment of God is bigger than me, and I'm simply just the instrument in which he uses Meaning that even though I'm the instrument, God gives me everything I need for the assignment to play out. You have to get in line with what you call because if not, God will tank everything that you're connected to. And what God did was that he sent Jonah through a season of rejection. Everything that he tried just kept flunking. Everything that he tried became torturous in a storm. And so, therefore, Jonah said, look here, man, I tell you what, I'm going to go below the deck." And so, some of us, we bob and weave our way through life. And it's frustrating to God to know that you are a soul in which I called before your being. I've known at you before you even breathe your first breath and to know that you will go through life not using your light is an insult to why I saved you some of us oh God a refund upon how we have been living and let me challenge you here God, I'm going to use me. God expects more out of me than what I've been given. Jonah's response. Sometimes, and I I, I saw myself in the text, and I said, man, I'm seeing something that's so familiar here. Because how many opportunities that was given to me I was afraid to take the jump and it could have been easier if only you stepped out in faith and here it is God is your foundation for faith is the substance and I love that word substance sub meaning under stands meaning to stand upon of things hoped for but the evidence of things not seen and there you are hiding in the shadow and God is saying I need you right here we're in a time of COVID. Things are getting rougher and rougher. Our society is getting sicker and sicker. The hate speech is getting worse and worse. And, and, and the pillow selling for the world is right here in the kingdom of God. And we cannot afford to come into our padded, cushioned pews and sit and be comfortable and keep our mouths shut. We have to share the baton of the gospel of God, of this gospel of saying that God loves you and he is involved in your life. So verse 3, after paying the fare, talk about Brother Jonah, what price have you paid to miss out on God's opportunity? He paid the fare to Toshis, And let me tell you something, I just got a few years of living. When you start running, it's hard to stop. And sometimes God has to shut you down. Verse 5, when Jonah went below deck, let me ask you this question. How low can you go? That's not what God called you to be. There's ministries all around, and I'm satisfied with not being involved in none of them. You got a gift, you got a talent, I don't care about your degree, I don't care about all the awards you got. God wants you in the pureness of your heart and he's saying that I need you right here, but you're not answering. You're paying the fare to Tarsus. Verse 12, when you pay the wrong fare and you go below the deck of life, what he did was that he committed a form of spiritual suicide. The things got too bad he didn't stand in the gap. He didn't hide underneath the boat. And I truly believe this was God working in him. He showed himself. And he confessed, hey, look, I, I, I'm, I'm the problem. I know it's me. I, I, look, I, I know it's me. It ain't y'all. It ain't the wind. I know we got a lot going on in, in the coast. It's, it's me. And, and just look, man, I don't want to do, just, just throw me overboard. And let me tell you right here this morning, and I want to tell you, my Southern Hills family, that God is not accepting your resume. You can turn around and go back to your cubicle, because God is not accepting your resume. You are not giving up. Why? Because I would not let you leave without completing my assignment. Years ago, I never forget, when I first got to ACU, um, I, I had a professor, and, and, and I love him to death, and I always tell the story when I'm preaching. Uh, uh, I don't know if you know Dr. Paul Lakey, but Dr. Paul Lakey, was a I was a comms major, and I'll never forget, I was, I was having some issue trying to get a paper in, and, and um, I gave it to him, and, and, and he returned it. It, 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 it. He bled all on the paper, and, and you know... <laughs> Um, for my millennials, he, I didn't write a good paper. There was a lot of changes I needed to. But uh, he had the red pen, and he, you know, he showed me everything I did wrong. And I was so upset, and I walked into his office, and I said, sir, I need to talk to you about this paper. I worked real hard on this paper. And he said, I asked you to do A, B, and C, and you did not. And I'm upset, man, and I, I'm pointing at him. I just said, this is a good paper, because I knew it was a good paper in my heart. I knew it was a good paper. And he said, "Sir, you got until five o'clock to make these changes. Return it in to me." In other words, what he could have done was that he could have just escorted me out of his office and just gave me a zero. I made the changes. Don't get me wrong. That's more sorry. I made the change. <laughs> I came back with the changes made, and I'm upset. And I slid it in his cubby hole, and he and, and, and I never forget. He looked at me, and he said, uh, uh, "The next week, he said, Mr. Bowman, I knew you can do it. That's why I wasn't accepting notes." from you. And that is the same thing that God is doing with us. You are not done. Don't you dare say you're finished with it. Don't you dare throw in the towel with it. God is saying that I've got a little bit more stored up for you in this life, and I'm not accepting it until my will has been completed through you. But there's God's intervention in the text that I'm going to close God prepared a great fish to swallow him up. And if I can pause a minute, because if God allowed what you wanted, you wouldn't be here. The place that you are in and the place that you are complaining about is the very thing that may be keeping you alive. The very thing that you despise the most that you upset with could be the thing that's keeping you alive. And until you change your attitude about the situation, God will not promote you out of it. I had a teacher in my formative years says, your attitude determines your altitude. And the reasons that a lot of us God will not promote us and he's retaining us to this particular situation is because we're not changing. And sometimes God sent the situation to change you. In chapter two is where he finally calls upon God. Finally, Jonah prays. And he asks God, he says, confesses in that prayer that I done wrong. And Lord, I need for you to get me out of this one. What does it have to take for God to shut you down to get the best out of you? Jonah repents from his sins because escapism was his idol. The story is really not about Jonah. And I really don't think the story is about Nineveh. I truly would believe that this story of Jonah is about the power of a repented heart and a rededicated mind. The thing that's most powerful about this text is the fact that Jonah had to learn to forgive himself because one of the things that he did not recognize was that his denial and running away from God cause a lot of people pain. It caused a lot of people pain. And that pain was not, and that burden was not lifted until Jonah was able to say, I'm sorry. And his apology simply wasn't to the people. It wasn't to the boat or the fishermen. His apology was to God. And the power of the gospel of our Lord and Savior is do I have the the courage to love myself with the same intensity that God loves me? It's not enough for you to simply quit all the time because God has never sat down on me and God has never quitted on me. But why do we feel comfortable in quitting God? talking about the reason for Nineveh and the real reason why he told Jonah to go to Nineveh because the same thing he wanted to see out of Nineveh, Jonah needed to experience too, and that was repentance. Change, and the story is about change. It's possible I don't care how far you out there. I don't care how low you've been. I don't care how long you've been running. The fact of the reality is that when it comes to God, you have the ability to change, and you also have the ability to seek God's forgiveness. And when you seek God's forgiveness, you got power of a new life. There's a story uh, I went to the dentist the other day I getting some work done, and let me tell you something take care of your teeth while you're young so you' got to go through the stuff when you get older because uh I'd never seen a grown man shout. I was in one 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 room I had another grown man in the other room, and he was crying loud than I was and um I remember forget I, I i i I was suffering I was getting some stuff done and and and, and i was and, and the woman, and the, the the dentist gave me some instructions and so and he said, the only thing I have to do is leave the office, you know, make sure you eat soft foods, stay away from chips and all. You, you know the rules. I went home with a sore mouth, and three days later, I uh, came back, and I com- complained of pain. And I said, yeah, I, got I don't know if it's just me, and, and, you know, and, and, and they gave me some ibuprofen and whatnot. And she came back to me immediately. She said, have you been drinking out of a straw, Mr. Bowman? And I looked down, and I said, uh, yes, ma'am. She said, Mr. Bowman, you can't drink out of a straw. You have to drink because you have to loosen up your jaw. And so what it was, it was a dry socket in my mouth. And and anybody ever been to the dentist and you had real work done? I'm talking about they had to dig off in you, the drills and all that other stuff. It will raise your blood pressure up real fast. (laughs) And and, uh, (laughs) and and she looked at me and she said, Mr. Bowman, Mr. Bowman. I said, look, ma'am, look, this thing hurts. She said, I know, but you have to obey the rules. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, you didn't watch the video I gave her? I said, no ma'am, I I, I did watch it, but remember I was under some anesthesia, so therefore it's really groggy. (laughs) So don't blame me, (laughs) don't blame me. And so I asked what did I need to do to stop the pain? She said, I will make an incision so that the blood can flow again. Without the blood flowing, you will not heal. And I thought that someone needed to hear today that somebody has a dry situation going on in their lives. And your relationship with God is the power to connect the blood again. But you have to be connected in the blood because that is the thing that cleanses us, that renews us, that reconciliates us. Oh, what cleansing things we know for the blood that makes us white as snow. And God is able to bring you out of a dry place. You have to love him and you have to surrender. How do I surrender? You got to give your life over to him. And you got to learn to trust God in all the things. I know it's dark right now, but you got to keep walking. And I know it's tough and it's scary because the assignment is much bigger than me. But always remember that God would never assign a thing bigger than himself. And when you are sitting next to God under his authority, he is the majority. And I say to us this morning that there is a safe place of a refuge for those who are running. And that place is to the arms of Christ. And he calls us today. And if you're here this morning and you believe in the word, you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You're baptized for the remission of your sins. And there you start this journey anew. Old things passed away and you have your new life. And God would not hold things of your past over your head. Man loves because of. God loves in spite of. May God bless you. May God keep you.